3: Dude, teammates played great
2: and we um, came out with the victory you know i'm trying to really get my my nba 2k rating up. i can i just cannot take
0: i can't take it you
1: know it's 12.02 right now if they want to fire me at 12.05 i'll go home and find something to do all the good day
2: Welcome to the to wire NBA podcast. It is Wednesday, January 22nd. Nick Whalen here with Alex Berutha. Alex, we got Senior Bowl practice on the TV in the studio. Uh, Full office out there. It's it's been a fun morning so far. And to top it all off, you are going to your second NBA G League game in, I believe, about two weeks tonight? (laughs)
3: I am. uh, Checking out the Wisconsin Herd, who play in Oshkosh. Going, yes, against, do. Uh, going up against i believe the grand rapids drive um now i have not looked at the grand rapids drive roster because i kind of wanted it to be a surprise but i can do this live uh, i'm looking at it right
2: now okay. as well it looks like they have a guy named dante hall which is pretty cool not the dante hall of course but that's <laughs> that's something they have cleo iverson played at wisconsin okay they have p sean howard i'm surprised they may to remember tickets, for usc cleo iverson yeah, well, in the building? It's going to be a big one. Um, they have somebody named Todd Withers. That doesn't seem like a real name. Um, yeah, not a, not a lot to see. I mean, I think the the player listed on the roster who, of course, won't be there is Sekou Dumbuya, which a few weeks ago would have been a, a really appealing guy to go see. But, of course, with uh, the news that Blake Griffin, uh, I guess we got that this morning, is done for the yeah. year. Not surprising whatsoever, um, but that should pretty much lock Dumbuya on to the Pistons roster Uh, through the end of april you would think so a little bit of a depleted grand rapids drive uh rolling into oshkosh (laughs) a little bit (laughs) um g league stuff aside we have plenty to get to today um talk a little bit all-star we'll talk a little bit about the rockets who had an just a ridiculous um like peak rockets game on monday against okc when they blew that one talk a little bit about the nba ratings debate and just a few other kind of odds and ends uh, as we look around the league but let's start with the all-star stuff um I, you and I've discussed this on and off James and I have as well and and a lot of people have you know as we get now three weeks away ish from the all-star break in Chicago and all-star voting has closed we know it's once again team Giannis against team LeBron um, but i want I want to get your final selections um, for for each all-star team so we'll we'll just do the you know the twelve east and 12 west even though we know that they'll end up being mixed um, but we'll start with the east and I want to give I want you to give me your. Eastern Conference players who you believe are locks to make the team, if you have a list prepared.
3: Uh I mean I I think it's pretty I think it's pretty standard. I mean Giannis is in, Jimmy Butler's in, uh Siakam should be in, Kemba, uh Embiid. I'm not I guess Kyrie's a lock. Um and I think Agabayo should be a lock. Um, although I'm not exactly sure like how the the voting will end up for mm-hmm. that. I haven't looked at the recent um, uh like the recent voting outcomes, whatever you call it. Um, I also I I don't know. I think I think Trey Young should be a lock, but that might be a debate for some people.
2: So my two points of contention there are Kyrie and Trey Young, and I have Trey Young on my team as well. I think he does get in. I think at some point the numbers become overwhelming enough that it does offset the lack of winning that's been going on in Atlanta. Um, and ironically enough, I, I, I'm with you that I think Bam should be a lock, but based on how this process goes, it's it's almost more likely that Kyrie is a lock, despite the fact that he missed a month and a half. Right, the team hasn't been very good when he's on the court. You know, his numbers at the beginning of the year were great, but uh, he's somebody that that just has the star cachet, and we've seen this work wonders. You know, where guys make All Star teams when they shouldn't, maybe one or two years after their prime. Uh, That's, of course, not the case for Kyrie, who's 27 this year, but he's played in 15 games. And to say that someone who's played in like 15 or 42 games is a lock uh, is kind of a wild statement, but the way that that this has gone in the past, I I, I wouldn't quite say he's a lock just because of the, you know, I mean, 15 games is a really, really low number. It is. I mean, there's a big difference between like 15 and even 25. I mean, he's played in a third of the Nets games, and the star power that he brings despite all of the, you know, off-court shenanigans... Um, it is of value to the NBA, but you have to remember if he's not being voted in as a starter, you know, then it goes with the coaches, and and I'm not sure that that he really has that same kind of cachet with the coaches that he does with fans.
3: Uh, well, that's very true. Um, I would imagine that being the case. I mean, I think he should probably just get in based off of pure talent. I mean, this is I this is kind of like a debate on how. Um, I mean. All star versus all MBA, mm-hmm. like at, at the end of the all star is like eighty percent skill and like twenty percent entertainment, which is why someone like more exciting might get in over like the traditional like Rudy Gobert Hassan Whiteside types. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think I think they're. I mean, part of the thing that's helping Kyrie is he's in the East. Yep. But I could definitely see the argument for just putting in like Jalen Brown over Kyrie Irving because he's basically been healthy the whole time for a, a team that has looked really good. Yeah. Um and I could understand putting someone like Middleton in over Kyrie. I think when you kind of go down the list, there are enough players where you could say, you know, Kyrie's only played fifteen games. Why are we not just putting in like even Kyle Lowry or someone like that?
2: I, I think Kyrie has to get the fan vote or he probably doesn't make the game. Um but so as of third returns, which came out six days ago Trey Young was the leading vote getter among guards in the East at just over two million. Kyrie was at about eighteen hundred votes, or one point eight million, I should say, uh, votes. Uh, Kemba Walker was right behind him, though, a difference of about seventeen thousand. So that could be made up, um, you know, fairly quickly. And you know, Kemba Walker, or excuse me, Derrick Rose was right behind Kemba. Uh, then there's a pretty big gap before you get to guys like Lowry, Levine, Jalen Brown, Ben Simmons, um, who, you know, if if the voting was something that people took a little more seriously you know those guys are probably flipped with where Irving is um but you know there's a decent chance that Kyrie ends up starting this game uh but Yan I mean Giannis is the clear leading vote getter in the east he's almost doubled up um Pascal Siakam who's number two in votes so the, I mean, the most likely outcome as of the last round of voting would be Giannis Siakam and Bede Trey Young Kyrie Irving as your as your starters which that backcourt is something I mean, yeah. you have a guy on a 10 win team and you have a guy who's played 15 games <laughs> but i mean even though i'm i'm of the belief that the east is much stronger than it's been in recent years especially one through six uh there there still is kind of a lack of star power especially at right. certain positions and, and the guys that we're calling stars in the east you know your jalen browns jason tatums a lot of those guys are still fairly unproven you know there's right. there's you know i think the east overall is stronger but the the top end talent i think is still stronger out west i do agree with that Okay, so I have on my list uh, Giannis, Butler, Bam, Siakam, Walker. Uh, if it's going to be Brown or Tatum, I would lean Jalen Brown. Yeah, You, you could make sure. an argument either way. I, I don't feel super strongly about it, but I, I think Jalen Brown has just been the better overall player this year. They've both been good. Simmons, Embiid, Kyrie. Um, I, I wouldn't put him on my team necessarily, but if, the, if there needs to be another big guy, Andre Drummond's numbers are really good, the rebounding especially. Uh, he's made all-star games in the past. It wouldn't be insane for him to make it. I think Chris Middleton makes it. Um, yeah, you know he missed a stretch of time uh, early, early in the first half of the year, but it really wasn't all that many games. I think it only ended up being six or seven. Which, based on how many games a lot of these other guys have missed, doesn't really seem like it's going to impact him. And but uh, he's he's
3: almost fifty forty ninety right now, right? Which is like something he because he had kind of a slow start and he's been on fire since. Like he's fi- right now he's fifty percent from the field, forty-two percent from three. Eighty-nine percent from free throw. He's averaging twenty points, six rebounds, four yeah. assists, and a steal. Like those are those are all star numbers for uh, when you're on a team that is right. on pace to win seventy games.
2: His numbers are basically exactly the same give or take in a few categories and that's as an, last season when he was an all-star and he's playing three fewer minutes per game yeah his per 36 is
3: 25 7 and 5 yeah so
2: and i think the biggest argument for middleton is the bucks are 39 and 6 and yeah that's a good enough record they're eight games up on miami they're nine games up on toronto they're you know 10 games up on philadelphia who i think people would still say is probably the primary challenger to milwaukee when it comes to the playoffs i, I think there's a big enough gap that even even though the the field of talent especially on the wing and up front in the in the east is pretty strong that there's going to be this kind of obligation to get two from milwaukee and and i think middleton is is pretty clearly that second guy yeah other names i mean do you have brogdon on your team i think it's brogdon or sabonis there has to be somebody yeah i know i would go Um, brogdon
3: i think i have to lean brogdon as well he's just i don't know i mean they've They've they did really well without him for stretches of time, and but they also did well. I think Sabonis missed time as well, um, but I I don't know. I I feel like I would just rather have Brogdon in because he he is the one that I feel like is keeping the team most afloat without mm-hmm. Oladipo available. Um, so I, I would lean him.
2: Yeah, I mean you really can't go wrong. I mean it's, Sabonis has been fantastic as a rebounder as well. I mean I think maybe it comes down to Sabonis or Drummond and drummond has the gaudier rebounding numbers but i i think i think if you like pulled every coach in the east they'd probably rather have sabonis and yeah. obviously his team is more successful so i think that'll kind of end up being a debate other names who i i don't necessarily think will make it but will be in the debate Devonte graham eric bledsoe uh kyle lowry and fred van vliet although both of those guys have missed significant time nick vucevic uh, I think Jonathan Isaac obviously won't be playing, but I think he was on course to maybe be in discussion for that 10th, 11th, 12th spot uh, based on what he was doing defensively. Spencer Dinwiddie will get a little bit of buzz um, because he played so well without Kyrie, but ultimately, I don't think he gets there. Zach Levine, the game is in Chicago. Maybe there's a push for that. Um, and then Brad Beale and Kevin Love, two stars on, on bad teams. I, I think Beal still has a really good chance to make it. I think. He, Three weeks ago he was would have almost been a lock for me he's he's kind of like people people lump trey young into the hawk struggles and, and kind of rightfully so because he's been so bad on defense beal it kind of seems like gets a pass for washington being a terrible team and you know they've had injuries and you know he's played really well but you never he doesn't really kind of take the same kind of flack i guess that trey young does so it feels like he's been immune to that but with him missing six or seven games these last couple of weeks, I think that maybe might be enough to to end up keeping him out. It might be.
3: And I mean, he's averaging 27 a game, but his efficiency is like pretty bad. Yeah. um, 44% from the field, 31% from three. And that makes sense, like given how bad the team is, like you can just focusing on stopping Bradley Beal and you yeah. are probably just going to win the game. Um, So I, I think that's ultimately going to stop him. Um, I'd rather
2: he start than Kyrie. I'll say that.
3: I, He's played 35 sure. games. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, yeah, if we're talking games played, then yeah. definitely Beal. But I, I, I would understand poking someone in who has been, you know, more, you know, more efficient, um, like a better passer just for a, for a team that's uh, just a winning team.
0: Yeah. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. <laughs> I really
1: get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want
0: to order. Wild Turkey, Wild Turkey distilling company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky copyright 2020 Campari, American, New York, New York, never compromise. drink responsibly.
2: All right. Looking at the West, I have, I have seven locks and one that I feel pretty good about. So the seven are LeBron Davis, Doncic, Harden, Kawhi Jokic and Lillard and I think this is the year Gobert gets his first all-star appearance which it seems crazy that he hasn't made it yet and I I think with the amount of talent in the west it's probably a Gobert or Mitchell situation and right now for me it's Gobert um, you know Mitchell's kind of in that like Tatum-ish territory where he's been really good he just it feels like he's having the same exact season for a third straight year and well, that's not a bad thing necessarily I I think for him to kind of take that next step, especially in the public or in the eye of the public for, for things like all star votes, he hasn't quite done it. No. And and you you know, Utah playing really well for the last month maybe helps him and maybe they do get both. I don't know. Um, but I, I think if it's one or the other, I would lean Gobert. So that to me that leaves four spots for the following players Devin Booker, Brandon Ingram, Drew Holiday, Carl Towns, DeMar DeRozan, Lamarcus Aldridge, John Morant, Russell Westbrook, Clint Capella. Donovan Mitchell, Paul George, Buddy Heald, <laughs> Hassan Whiteside. I, I cast a wide net. My God. Um, no, I mean, that just demonstrates how how good the West is still. Right. Um, guys, so someone like Buddy Heald, not going to make it. But the numbers are good. You know, yeah. I mean, Sacramento tumbling all the way down to 14th in the West probably knocked out any chance he had. Jaron Fox has been hurt. They don't get anybody. Um, but those are just guys that if you really wanted to make a case, I think there's there's some semblance of a case for everyone on that list.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you're doing... If you're doing, you know, games played, minutes played, everything like that, I completely understand the arguments for Devin Booker and Brandon Ingram. They've both been, both been great. Um, Towns has missed time, but I still, he's too good. I feel I feel like Towns has to make the All Star game. In my opinion, he's he's. He, I don't know.
2: I don't know. I, he I he just would, of time.
3: I just wouldn't want him to get in over, DeRozan, Aldridge, Morant, Capella. I mean, I could I could see Capella getting in over towns but i wouldn't want someone like westbrook getting in over towns well, the thing um, is
2: with all those guys that you mentioned the narratives have been overwhelmingly negative for the rockets and the timberwolves of late you know yeah. it's like towns not only has missed close to 20 games but the team is not good you know they're they're making kind of panic trades where no one really knows what's going on he, his body language is terrible and the same can be said for for westbrook especially capella to a lesser degree he's just kind of along for the ride it seems like with this houston team and it has played really well in his role but yeah i mean it comes down to like what do you value more you know capella objectively a worse player than towns but on a much better team playing well in his role versus towns who's still putting up great numbers but has missed a lot of time and his team is outside the playoff picture right now yeah i mean assuming so assuming paul george gets healthy
3: like kind of before uh, because he's kind of day-to-day right now still I think my initial four out of this list would be Devin Booker, Brandon Ingram, Carl Towns, Paul George. I think that would be the group that I would pick. I think it's the most talented four players of the group, and I think they're all justifiable um, in in what they've been able to do. If it's not Paul George, then I feel like I mean,
2: maybe Capella Capella or Whiteside could get in. Um, I would love to see Whiteside. The problem is Whiteside's not getting coaches' votes. No, he's he's, not. (laughs) He's in that firm territory – I think George gets in. I'm with you. I think he's played just enough games. Like, he, as long as he comes back at some point before the All-Star break and is physically able to play in the game, I think he's in. He's played 26, same number as Towns. Um, and with, with the amount of games that other players have missed, you know, it's not like everyone else on this list has played 45 games. Um, so I think he's in. Morant would be really interesting. He's not going to get in. I mean, it's so tough for rookies to make the All-Star team um i I think he would have i mean he's been really good for the last month but i think he kind of needed to go like one more level up to for that to be a real consideration um i don't know i mean i I think for me it's it's between booker ingram paul george towns um donovan mitchell i think is in that category i think we we get two out of booker ingram and mitchell yeah you you have to
3: i don't don't, yeah i don't know (laughs)
2: um where do you fall on the spurs guys traditionally spurs that's why i included both of them because they usually get like the spurs respect and typically the spurs are higher than ninth in the conference at the time voting closes so that <laughs> right. is something to consider but one of those guys always seems to to make the team and re- more recently has been aldridge
3: yeah to has been on fire lately though right he's been really i feel bad. like that at the end of the day might be the thing that that gets him in over aldridge um it's just how well he's been playing whether or not that's because he wants to get traded or whether or not because the Spurs are shooting more threes and the offense is more spaced out Mm -hmm. or just whatever it is. I mean, they're, if you kind of compare their like advanced stats, they're almost identical as far as like win shares, offensive rating, defensive rating, everything like that. So it's hard to make a case, uh, on there. I mean, you would pick Aldridge if you want the guy who probably most represents the Spurs theoretically, um, because there's always the talk that like they're trying to trade DeRozan um, and everything like that. But, um, I don't know. He's he's been so good lately that I think it's tough to ignore. And he's someone who's who's um, you know a four, uh, he's been a four time All Star in the East, so we know these these kinds of numbers are sustainable for him. But this month, January, in ten games, he's averaging twenty seven points, basically six and a half rebounds, six and a half assists, fifty six percent from the field, um, and and I just feel like that's a that's some th- those are basically All Star numbers if if you're on a winning team, um, which. Uh, the the spurs have been winning as of late
2: yeah i mean aldridge has made all but one all-star game since 2012 but i i I don't remember him playing a single minute in any of those (laughs) all-star games i've watched all of them start to finish don't remember him getting on the court but he has been there and yeah the numbers suggest that one of those two guys is getting in come prop up on thrive fantasy this nba season thrive fantasy is a daily sports app For player props, they have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport. Choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or the under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over $2,000 guaranteed daily in prizes for its NBA contests alone. You can use our promo code RW, that's RW, when you sign up today, and you'll receive an instant match up to $25 on your first deposit. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Google Play Store or by visiting thrivefantasy.com. That's thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. So I want to get your take on the. I was going to say debacle. It's, I wouldn't say it's a debacle. The debate surrounding NBA ratings, and I, I don't want to dive into the numbers on any of this, or you know, go too far into things that we're not extremely privy to. You know, I mean, I, I think we're kind of on the outside of this debate, um, and I think it's also worth noting that we are not the demographic that the NBA is concerned about. You know, people who work with the NBA every single day are <laughs> fully engaged. I don't think that's an issue. Um, but for the casual fan or even the, seems like kind of the like the next level, not maybe not diehard fans like you and I, but people that kind of fall in the middle who maybe were glued in to the NBA three or five years ago have kind of slipped away a little bit or, or so it would seem based on these ratings numbers. I just want to get your thoughts on why you know and there has been some debate as to how true this is you know maybe people are watching in other ways they're catching up on youtube instead of watching live whatever it might be but if there is actually a decline in interest in the nba particularly during the regular season what is exactly the reason for that i think i mean i think there are probably just a lot of things coming together
3: to decrease the ratings slash Interest. I don't think it's just like one factor driving. Like people have said, oh, it's just all the three pointers, or you know, this or that. I just, I don't know. I, I think. Um, I mean, the the main thing that I would point to, um, is just that you know some of the, and this has been talked about before. Some of the, a lot of the play, it doesn't feel like the all the players take the regular season seriously. So it's hard as a fan mm-hmm. for some people to take the regular season seriously. Like when you have Kawhi or whoever else you know load managing or resting or whatever it is it kind of puts out the vibe that the regular season doesn't matter even though that's not exactly what the 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 meaning of like the rest is Mm -hmm. but i think it's hard it's it you know it kind of puts the emphasis on the playoffs and then there's always like you know i mean a, a bunch of people whether it be talking heads or like former players have the you know the discussion of like you know you know the only thing that matters is rings or whatever right. and then what and then they're mad that the ratings are down when they've been emphasizing rings and playoff yeah. wins the whole time um, but then there's also you know the the ability now over basically i would say over the past like 5 years just really the the amount of increase in twitter highlights that you can watch like you could sit down and not really be watching an nba mm-hmm. game you could be doing other things in your life and then just through twitter Have a perfect idea if you follow the right people or the right accounts or whatever. Have the exact right idea of what is going on in the NBA that night. All the highlights um, you're going to get. You're going to get all the the final scores, everything like that. Um, And then there's also YouTube. You can watch all the games the next morning. The NBA itself uploads 10 minute uh, recaps. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also illegal streams, which I feel like is
2: probably more popular than the NBA would imagine that it is. Yourself a good ad blocker. You're in business. I think I think that's spot on. I think and and obviously since the NBA is putting these videos out themselves, you know, they, they can't factor that into, you know, cable rating numbers, but they're they're aware of the impact and you know the advertising revenue that those can generate too. So that's kind of a separate issue. Um, but I, I I think I agree for the most part with the, the points that you made. I, I think it's become for people who would consider themselves NBA fans, it's become more about the specific moments either within yeah. games before games after games than it has been about the game itself and i think the nba for a long time looked at that as a positive and, and in a lot of ways a lot of ways it is a positive i think other sports don't necessarily have that but it feels like the balance between moments and actual game takeaways has flipped and it's now in kind of a dangerous situation where you really don't feel like you have to watch the game as long as you kind of know the main talking points and right you know for the casual fan i think that's a good thing um but when you're talking about how it actually reflects tv ratings you know there, there. Does, i don't think you feel like you can you can be just as clued in as a fan and not watch games right now um and i don't i don't think that was the case 10 years ago you know i, I think with the proliferation how easy it is to post a video you know back back when i was in my you know writing for true Hoop Basketball in like 2012 days it was like i would I would have my phone with Vine up ready at all times to kind of rush over to my TV in the living room and record something, you know, off the right off the TV, terrible quality to post to Twitter because you know, back then it was it was just so much harder. Now I have an app on my phone where you can just grab any link you want, convert it and then get it on Twitter in like 30 seconds. You know, like the the process of doing that is so much easier. And and I think it's just like you said, you can You can, on a night like tonight where there are 12 games, you could not watch any games. You could spend a half hour laying in bed. Just if you look at the right accounts, you're going to get all the highlights that you need to see. You're going to get all the takeaways. You know, somebody might go for 45 points. You might not even have to watch the highlights of that game, but you know they went for 45. You can imagine how they went for 45, um, but you don't actually have to to watch it live. And I, I think that changes the experience negatively in my opinion you know not being able to see you know you you can only glean so much from a box score or from a condensed highlight you know not being able to see the flow of the game Uh, and i I think that's really changed but at the same time it's a lot to ask if you if you want your fans to be clued in and really be knowledgeable it's a lot to ask to say you have to watch at least 75 of our games this year which are at various times seven days a week you know it's not like the nfl where hey just clear your schedule from 12 p.m to 3 p.m and you'll be good
3: yeah, I think there's there's kind of an interesting like relationship between like the way people will watch football or baseball compared to the way people watch basketball, and it's like like you said with football, that's the obvious comparison. It's there's it's appointment viewing. Every Sunday you just watch it, mm-hmm. um, and because there's only one game a week, they all mean something. If you are a fan of a terrible team, you only have to subject yourself to that if you're a fan once a week yep. for like three hours, as opposed to three or four times a week if you're a fan of you know like whatever bad NBA team like the Cavaliers or something if you want to watch every Cavaliers game that I mean you're dedicating a lot of time to that but um the NBA I mean also it it, it's interesting because basketball in some ways I think is like baseball where it's baseball the hardest thing about baseball to watch is that the stars are they only come up to bat like four times a game and that lasts what like a total of five minutes and they're only they only play defense if the ball is basically hit to them. And so in the NBA there's a lot of this where sure you could flip on, you know, Mavericks um I don't know, Mavericks versus Suns or whatever, but there's going to be basically for 15 minutes of that game neither Luka Doncic nor Devin Booker will be on the court. Mm-hmm. And most people just don't want to watch those minutes at all. Right. Like they would rather just flip to a different game where the stars are actually on the court. And I know the NBA, you know, they want to increase the pace. And I know a few years ago they tried experimenting with a G League game that was like forty minutes long. And so it's it's hard because I feel like you would you would get more people to watch and people would be more interested if the games were only forty minutes. So there was only five, th- like maybe three to five minutes a game where the stars weren't on the court. And then there's only two games a week, so they all so everything matters. So basically, every time you watch the game, matters and the stars are always on the court, um, which is I think people have talked about expanding the league um you could probably (laughs) probably make sense to go the other way honestly but um i think you know that's that's an important factor too is just the a lot of teams just don't have stars and the stars aren't always on the court for more than you know 30 minutes or Mm -hmm. whatever
2: i i think the point that you made at the beginning of this discussion about everything being about the title and nothing else is if i had to point to one one thing that has kind of led to this this whole debate I think it's that and sure. I, I mean in, in my consciousness I, I feel like I guess it started with the LeBron debate in the early part of the last decade you know where you know everything kind of changed I guess once he won his first ring in 2012 and and that just set you know kind of set the course for the NBA in that decade um, and then you know I think that other than the Warriors coming together and and you know them going to five straight finals the other narrative, you know, throughout that decade that was really salient was LeBron chasing Jordan, and that's what, yeah. Know, when it yeah. when it when LeBron won that title in twenty sixteen, that led to like three straight years of it felt like every single morning first take was leading with some sort of LeBron versus Jordan thing, and it was it always you know comes back to rings, and we're now seeing that reflected in. The way that Kawhi, you know, one of the three biggest stars in the league right now, um, you know, kind of goes about his business night tonight. He's sitting out tonight on the second night of a back to no, back. No Paul George for the Clippers tonight either. Um, and before that, LeBron, you know, it's not just Kawhi. I and mean, LeBron, without saying it, basically operated that, you know, his last couple of years in Cleveland, he operated that way. His last year, obviously, before getting hurt, was operating that way. He's turned it around a little bit this year, you know, based on how he's played defense. But he was very open about Pacing himself, you know, they would yeah. they would lose three straight games in the middle of January, and he would just say it doesn't matter, we'll be fine. And for the most part, that was always the case. And the fact that it worked out for LeBron over and over kind of set the tone for for guys like Kawhi to follow that. So I, I don't fault the player, but you know, again, without saying it, they're the way that they're conducting themselves in terms of rest, in terms of how they handle you know rough stretches during the season. We're kind, we've kind of seen it with Kyrie as well the players, even though they're not saying it out loud, are projecting to the fans that these games do not matter. And that's a pretty dangerous thing, you know, for the NFL or for the NFL, for the NBA. It's great for the NFL. (laughs) Um, and, and I even, it even feels like it's trickled into like the first round of the playoffs, you know, where it's like, yeah, you're excited to watch your, you know, watch the Bucks play Orlando or whoever it might be. But, you know, you know what's going to happen. You know, the, right, yeah. the, you, you get an eight over a one upset like once every thirty years in the NBA. You know, and and there's just if you're a good team, obviously you don't want more upsets. I, I don't. If you're a fan of good teams, you don't want that necessarily. Uh, but it, it does feel like there there is an increase in meaningless games, um, basically throughout the entire regular season and even even some of the big games on the calendar. You know, just kind of have feel like they've fallen flat this year. You know, they'll they'll be a big a big discussion point for that night, and then two days later, there's no talk about it yeah i mean
3: do you yeah i i definitely agree with like your your lebron point where people the narr, the quote-unquote narrative was well okay we know lebron's great but he'll never be we can never consider him on the same level as jordan unless he gets all these rings so mm-hmm. then he prioritizes getting rings now he has a tongue of them and then it's like well now durant feels like if he wants to be in the same conversation as lebron yeah. that he has to get rings and then Kawhi. You know, it's it's it it just keeps going down the list of like, well, now everybody needs rings, mm-hmm. and you know, if if they're on a good enough team, they can rest or whatever. But right, I, I'm not really. Uh, I mean, are are you of the belief that I, this kind of transitions into the potential like rockets kind of discussion? Do you think a lot of this or any of this is stemmed from the just volume of three pointers that are being shot? That at, quote unquote, every team looks the same, um, everything like that
2: yes I am I as someone who you know does watch basketball every single night regardless of who's on, I do feel like there are like like half of the league is basically the same team in a sure. lot of ways there's there's a lack of I think there are fewer and fewer unique players in the NBA which I, I think is kind of a problem um you know I, I think you you see a lot more of the like Dorian Finney-Smith types. You know, those are the <laughs> yeah, type right. of players, the Robert Covington types, who are objectively good players. Like, it, yes. I mean, the teams are making the right moves by bringing these guys in. But I think you know, for a while there, the Rockets and the Warriors were kind of this fun specimen when when they when they squared off on a Thursday night TNT game. You wanted to watch it because you know they might both hit 18 threes as a team, and that hasn't just it just hasn't become that unique now. You know, you have you I guess you have like a team in San Antonio who's kind of on the other end of the spectrum, but for the most part. You see a lot of like four out, one in, driving kick basketball. And like, it's, again, it's good basketball. You know, you're seeing a team like Dallas who, even though they're not up there record wise, can still have this record setting offense. You know, it's very individually dominated. Um, And I will say, you know, every now and then we'll watch games from the 90s and the early 2000s on in the office here on NBA TV. And it's pretty terrible to watch. Um, yeah it's awful like i don't want it to go back to that i don't i'm not saying i want a 78 to 74 game seven of the nba finals that's not what i want but it felt like we reached a sweet spot like 2013 2014 where some teams were playing fast some some teams were trying to slow it down you you kind of had a lot of a lot of the unique players from the early 2000s were still hanging around and it it just feels like the you know that the positions even though that even though we're kind of moving away from the five standard positions you're just kind of getting three or four types of players. Sure. And for the most part, they're all really similar. And more teams are playing the numbers game, which again you should encourage them to do. It 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 is proven I'm very pro analytics in that way. But there are a lot of games that you watch where it's just drive, kick, three seconds left on the shot clock, get a three, go down, same thing happens on the other end. You're just kind of trading three pointers. And I, I think people loved it at first and now we've kind of it's kind of become like oversaturated for the viewer.
3: Yeah, I mean there are a couple of things here. I feel like, you know, it's it's weird cuz a lot of the bad teams will also play that way. So the yes. good teams that so like you're saying, the, the teams are playing the same way. I'm surprised and it and maybe it will turn this way. I would I would think that if you were in that tier of like Charlotte, Washington, New York, that instead of trying to play this way that all the other winning teams are playing and they're winning, that you would try something, I want to say radical. But you would experiment more with different player types and different sets and maybe more zone or weird defensive schemes or just try something to differentiate yourself and like get, you know, because um, you're, you're not going to win if you play, even if you play, quote unquote, winning basketball, you're not going to win. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand there are certain teams that want to like the Hawks or whatever, want to have good habits and they want to take good shots so that when right. they get the right players the system's already in place and then you can jump up 25 wins in one season yeah. i understand that
2: um, but so looking at the 2015-16 nba season so this is what four seasons ago the average nba team took 24 threes per game and that number this year is up to 33 yeah that is a huge jump nine threes per game I, uh, over over the course of four seasons i mean that's not over the course of a decade that's four seasons and i, I think in 2015, 16, we thought we were at the zenith of the three-point boom, right? I mean, people were talking about it like that. I mean, the Cavs were playing that way, the Warriors were playing that way, the Rockets were playing that way. Three of the five premier teams in the league were, were throwing up threes at what we thought was an all-time rate. And now, fast forward to you know the current season, and you know, if you're if you're taking 24 threes a game now this year, which again was the league average in that season, I mean, I'm trying to look how many teams. The team that's taking the fewest threes in the league, Indiana, is at 27 this year. So, and part of it maybe is an increase in pace. Uh, but it's, I, I think we maybe have gone a little bit too far. Houston is taking 44 three pointers per game. And 44. They, that's the right thing to do. And they're right, shooting 34%. Right. They're not even shooting that well.
3: They're shooting good enough for it to be more than below
2: they're shooting they have the 23rd best three-point percentage in the league but i know the math still to say, out.
3: what's their like effective field goal percentage right, or whatever exactly. it probably just it, it ends yep. up being you know one of the probably one of the best in the league but like i yeah I, I will say i think you're right about the player types um although i will i will say that i think the league's stars are actually really diverse yes. in their in their types like Giannis is a completely unique player lebron is great and that he's a great all around player. Jokic is one of the most unique players we've seen. Kawhi's two way ability is crazy. Hargan for every people will hate on him, but he's incredible. Joel Embiid, like you can go down the list of names. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that the, and and I've tried to figure this out in my head, like, because there's always theoretically, there should be a, a, like a quote unquote market correction. Right. And the Warriors Mm -hmm. tried to do that with, uh, or excuse me, the Rockets tried to do that with the Warriors where, you know, if there's, if, if, a team is sucking a bunch of off-ball screens and backdoor cuts and everything to try to get all these open threes. You should switch so that nobody can like theoretically get an open three. So then, if you switch, then it brings it. It, it the offense should value iso players because mm-hmm. there's always going to be a mismatch if the the defense is going to switch. And then theoretically, that ends up being like okay, you need a good post player so then you can throw it into the post against a good matchup. But then the other team would double and then you're kicking it out for threes. So yeah. now we're back to three pointers again. Um, and so I think there is, there will be maybe more of a shift to isolation basketball mm-hmm. if more teams switch on defense to prevent threes. But I don't know if that ends up leading to a place where there are less threes being taken. I think it ends up being a place where there are guys, more guys like James Harden who are using their size or their speed advantage to get to the rim and potentially either get fouled or everyone's a driving kick player or the, everyone in the post, like in a B type will get double teamed and then you're kicking out. Um, so I don't know like what the end game is here and I think I don't I think some of this is I I don't I don't know if the league's fault is the right way to put it but you get like a hand checking so that it instantly becomes easier as a perimeter player to move around to get open threes Mm -hmm. to just shoot threes in general like if someone's got a hand on you you're not going to want to shoot a three you're going to be like off balance and then you have all the you know quote unquote ticky tack fouls on the perimeter with you touch a guy on like the hip and he flails and he gets a foul but the you compare that to in the post guys will like just everyone's pushing each other and elbowing each other and if you're trying to do a post move mm-hmm. it, it just doesn't get called so you it's hard it the league is not encouraging players to dump the ball inside yep. or to take mid rangers to avoid getting hand checked yep. or or anything like that
2: yeah i think that's a good point i think the the hardened type of fouls you know, and he's not the only offender, but I think he's clearly the poster child for that. I think that's a, that's a big time turnoff to the average sports fan, you know, the average sports fan who probably loves the NFL, loves college football, but you know, we'll, we'll watch the NBA finals, but you know, probably prefers college basketball because they don't do the James Harden stuff, you know, and that, that's still a narrative, even though, you know, that's just something that's ingrained in people's minds. And when you see a night where Harden goes one of 17 from three, you know, and, and, and is continuing to try to get calls like it is it can be a turnoff i think to the casual fan and I, I don't think that's like the main thing that's accounting for a dip in ratings you know there's not that many people that that feel that strongly about it but i think this kind of ties into the discussion and this was raised on the i think it was the simmons pod with Rossillo this past week where they were talking about just the overall likability of a lot of these guys where you know if you're unless if you're not from the city that the star players play in are you overly compelled to tune in to Kyrie Irving who everything every single thing you've heard about this year has been negative. You know, I think right. James Harden even though he hasn't had the off-court, you know, issues I guess that Kyrie has, you still hear a lot of negative things about him, a lot of negative things about Russ like the the fans of the NBA are constantly tearing down the best players in the NBA as much as they're being built up.
3: Yeah, I mean it doesn't make you want to watch Kyrie Irving when the and obviously like some some people like Kyrie has done this to himself to some extent. Oh yeah. But if you – I feel like if you were a person who was – if you if you did not have access to social media and you literally just – all you did was watch, like, League Pass basketball, like, you would love watching Kyrie Irving mm-hmm. and guys like that who – or maybe even James Harden who you wouldn't even know there was, like, a – you know, um, like, what's going on outside of
2: basketball and, um, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. you Well, has the accessibility gone so far that it's turned negative where, like – it's great that your favorite player can talk to the media, and it can basically be, go up live one minute later, or he can tweet something or post something on Instagram, or you know, kind of track his movements like LeBron does on his Instagram story forty-five times a day. Um, like, is that good in the end? Like, I, I think at first it was like, wow, this is so great we can connect, and then I feel like now fans are finding out like, hey, it turns out that the players don't actually love us the same way we love them, you know, and I, I think you look around the league and it's just like i said it just just feels like it's negative story after negative story you know every time you you kind of get into these players worlds you know it 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 doesn't quite go the way i think that the the fans want it to go if that makes sense yeah i mean i think um
3: i think in my opinion that it's kind of like a neutral like the social media wave of players i think that i think ultimately that's neutral because as a fan i think you know i you can sort of choose to ignore that if you want like you don't have to look on mm-hmm. twitter and instagram and all that like you can sit down you don't have to watch the pregame
2: shows you can just sit down at 7:30 and just watch the game you, you can but i don't know if you i really don't know if that's realistic anymore because if you watch the if you watch the pregame show half of it is them pulling up tweets and instagram posts I assuming mean, if you don't watch
3: po- a pregame show
2: but i think most people consume some of it you know like i guess i don't think the nba wants its fans only watching that and nothing else i get what you're saying but i feel like to be an nba fan now is to follow along on social media that's just part of the deal you you can't be out of the loop like you have to know because half the storylines in the league are about what guys are posting or what who liked what or what somebody's trainer said on their instagram story like you if you really want to know the league you have to be clued into that stuff now i
3: mean that's our you know i mean we we kind of get both worlds because we all we also have to pay attention to like the the ESPN or Bleacher Report kind right. of like stories that go around. But we're also, you know, obligated and we'd like to read stuff that's like deeper dives on like team. Yeah. You know, like even like cap room stuff or like how the team is flowing or like, yep. you know, pieces that will go on like the athletic or these other sites that will be just purely about basketball. Yeah. Um, and, you know, kind of like the nature of what we do also just covering fantasy is really just about their production we don't and always or inherently have to worry about that stuff so like Mm -hmm. i i can understand like why casual fans want the drama and all that and why some fans just don't want to do without it Mm -hmm. or 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 want to do without it but i i can definitely like i I don't watch um yeah I i would rather much just like watch the games and like twitter highlights are cool and like i enjoy it's a good way to catch up on everything in the league but Mm -hmm. i agree with you like i don't need all the the star player drama or or anything like that on the other hand you if Kyrie leaves boston you want to know why it happened you know what i mean like it would be weird if he kind of just disappeared from boston one day and we never knew that it was like a chemistry issue and no one ever like asked his opinion about like opening his third eye or whatever yeah like i don't know
2: I mean it's definitely compelling. I think the problem is like when it happens to your team, all of a sudden that yeah, can right. really that can really turn people. You know, I think you've seen like New Orleans turned on its, you know, favorite player for the last seven years. Yeah. Boston, Cleveland. I mean, like, it just seems like I, I wouldn't I'm definitely pro players teaming up with whoever they want to team up with, signing wherever they wanna sign, but I think that too maybe erodes some of the traditional uh like temples of being a fan, you know, I guess when you're when it feels like every time your team loses a game or loses in the playoffs, your star player might want out. You know, I, I feel like that that could have a, a peripheral effect on this. Again, I don't think any of these are the main reason that that people might have some slipping interest in watching NBA games. But um, I would say, I mean, just being in Wisconsin for the last year, like just the paranoia, I guess, around Giannis. Every sure. single every single time anybody puts out, and ESPN has been kind of a bad offender of this recently, of putting out little mini stories on Instagram of you know what were Steph and Giannis talking about. <laughs> Could the Lakers be a threat to sign Giannis? Like and every time that gets quote tweeted by like a hundred bucks fans that just rail against ESPN and they're so yeah. pissed about this. And I I think people have like there's so much off the court to worry about with the NBA that the games the games really are kind of the secondary theater. Yeah. Okay, let's talk Blake Griffin real quick. As we hinted at the top, done for the year. Mm-hmm You know, I don't, (laughs) I don't want to take a victory lap on this, but (laughs) but when we talked, you know, in, in August, when we did our projections when we did our outlooks, we were like, there's no way this guy's playing anywhere close to 75 games. He started and played 75 games last year, played 35 minutes a game. That was his highest total since 2014, 15. I don't necessarily think the Pistons like wore him out, although by the end of last year, he could barely play in that first round series. So there maybe is a case there. Um, But for him to end the season now with 18 games played should be more surprising, but I mean, given Blake's history, it's it's really not. And they, the Pistons, are in a really, really, really bad spot now. They were already in a bad spot with Blake Griffin healthy, and now for him to be done for this year, be under contract for 37 million next year, 39 million two years from now, they do get out from the Josh Smith contract. We should say that. So okay. that's a nice burden this summer uh, that's no longer on their shoulders, but. They have this Andre Drummond debacle to deal with. they have an extreme lack of talent elsewhere on the roster, and now you're you know the unquestioned centerpiece of your team, both on the court and financially is kind of in as as you you know alluded to earlier kind of in like the John wall territory now and I would say the outlook for wall is probably even a little bit better yeah, at least he's nearing the end of his recovery whereas Blake I mean who knows how long this could last
3: well and there was really only one major injury for wall. As opposed to, I think he only had one major. Did he injuries. tear both
2: Achilles? Didn't he tear his Achilles and then and then tear it again or retear it? Something happened. Like something weird happened. But
3: yeah. I, I, this has been an ongoing thing for Griffin, as opposed to like last year with Wall. It just is a very serious injury, and he's on a contract that he wasn't worth anyway. But um, I, I remember listening to the, I think it was the Hoop Collective podcast one day, and they they were kind of floating around what's Blake Griffin's trade value. And someone said that most GMs do not think he can play a full season anymore or anywhere close. That's panning out. It's a very, if you look, if you, and this was like at least a month and a half ago, maybe two months. It's a, it's a podcast now in like a segment that was like five minutes long, very short that, that just, it, it panned out incredibly true. And they, you know, someone was like, well, what's the, what's the trade market for Blake? Like, is he tradable? And whoever else was on the pod was like maybe for John Wall. And so, like, it's. I, you know, if you were a franchise, I don't, I don't even know what the what type of team in what position would want blake griffin if you're a horrible team do you want him in the hope that he plays 60 games and your fans come to those games if you're good can you even risk taking him for the contract in hopes that he's good for the playoffs like what is the
2: i don't know i don't know and blake i don't think blake holds that kind of appeal anymore either right like no he's not gonna single-handedly sell out your arena you know i think the one team that we kind of joked about several months ago is okc because he's from okc and if there is a place that would really kind of take to him as a player it's probably probably that city but with the way that the Chris Paul situation has worked out there you know you could kind of say well you could trade him for Chris Paul based on the contracts i mean there's there would be absolutely no reason for OKC to do that right now and the only way you could see it happening is like okay we'll swap we'll we'll swap Blake and Paul but you have to send more assets and Detroit doesn't even have the assets that Oklahoma City would want so yeah i mean I, I there's not a team in the league especially after this latest injury that you could really see talking themselves into blake and one of the teams i mentioned when he was healthy and it looked like he you know could play 60 to 70 games this year was like portland i thought yeah, you know, he, yeah that's like the team that you know really has to take a big swing or maybe think about rebuilding like that's your big swing and that's kind of what detroit did i guess two years ago um getting him from the from the clippers but I just—it's like a lower level Kawhi situation where if you're if you're the if you're
1: well, the
3: Raptors and you were like oh we're gonna we want to tank anyway but let's like try one year of it's not exactly that because Kawhi yeah. was on a one year deal or whatever but I know I know what you're saying yeah
2: right well I think Kawhi like the risk reward with Kawhi was you know okay maybe he sits out the entire season and we gave up to DeRozan rosen for nothing the reward is we're getting a top three guy when he's healthy and right. obviously that ended up paying off like with blake the reward is just so much lower yeah, yeah you know yeah. like what is the best case like he plays 60 games and we win 45 games you know like i <laughs> if he's your second best player yeah right and like he had an awesome year last year for detroit and they he did barely made it into the playoffs and got absolutely killed by milwaukee in round one and you know, I mean, when he was at his peak playing on a really good Clippers team, he was arguably a top 10 guy. That was awesome. But those days are well behind him at this point. And I, unfortunately, I, th- I think he, for now, at least, you just kind of have to play it out in Detroit.
3: Yeah, I. Uh, you're definitely right. You mentioning that Blake's not really a draw anymore. How many dunks do you think he had last
2: year? Played 75 games. Mm-hmm. I will say he had 62. 37. 37? 37 Holy dunks. Lord. The last time he had over...
3: 85 oh dunks was 2013-14. When he had 176 dunks, then he went down to 84 and that was his highest mark since. Um so yeah, 30 yeah. I mean I understand like Blake has Blake has always been one of my favorite players. I the transition that he's made from a pick and roll, you know, like uh you know, alley-oop, you know, post up solid post up player. That was good at the mid range into basically a ball handling, kind of like a all around small forward almost. Yeah. The transition into that has been honestly like insane. And the 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 change in skill set, I can't remember a player who's that dramatically changed their skill set off the top of my head. And it's been really impressive and it was probably necessary for him to do. I mean, maybe he realized, you know, the injury started piling up and he's like, okay, I have to kind of turn more into this other mm-hmm. type of player. But um that's it you got to be on the court you got to yeah.
2: play i think i think next year is kind of a full time rehab year where he i mean the, the pistons unless something changes dramatically between now and like next september are going to be really bad they probably won't have andre drummond you know maybe they and like of all years to have all this cap space you know like maybe they have to overpay for like a gordon hayward or somebody like that just to, <laughs> just to kind of cling to relevancy but i think if you're if you're blake and you're the pistons like the one road you have is all right next year hopefully he's healthy for you know around opening night he plays 50-ish games we're extra cautious with him he doesn't suffer another injury and then maybe you can trade him you know when that when that deal expires you know you you can flip him in like 2022 at, at the deadline you know and and get a little bit of salary relief but like that's that's kind of the conundrum that they're in right now like there's there's really not a way out when when a player becomes this injured no and they don't I mean, this is why
3: the potential, potentially tragging Andre Drummond is so important. Yes. To get some young players back. Because looking at their roster, they, I would say, I mean, if you're considering players like 24 and under, Luke Kennard and Sekou Dembuya are definitely their best two prospects. That's not a good thing. No. And Christian Wood and Bruce Brown are kind of just like their as guys who... Bruce Brown's look good at points. Obviously, we know Christian Wood's a per-36 God, but, like, you know, that's that's your rebuild starting point, and so you would want to get something for Drummond at this point. Like, if they happen to not trade Drummond, it would be, like, negligence. because It would just,
2: be the Kemba situation all over again for or the Tyreek Evans situation. Or the Tyreek Evans situation, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, it's bad. I mean, I, at this point, like, I wouldn't even be against them re-signing Drummond. I mean, just to have somebody to I, kind of carry you into this next day i wouldn't do it but i understand the argument but yeah nice. i mean i it's just you have you're kind of backed into a corner here um okay real quick we'll just finish out with some zion talk obviously sure. he's back tonight sounds like he's going to be starting in his debut um they're officially listing him as probable as of this afternoon which he was he was doubtful i think for monday's game obviously it was ruled out um but all signs point to him playing tonight i i would expect around like 20-ish minutes sure I think that seems fair. Um, and that, I, I would say probably be in the 20 to 26 range for a few games. But, my, I mean, my hope is that at some point he's on leash here. And I would imagine he'll sit out back-to-backs. I would imagine if they have uh, three games in, you know, six nights, maybe he misses one of those. Like, they're going to be really cautious. So I think he probably plays around 30 games the rest of the year, assuming he stays healthy. Uh, not enough to really be in the rookie of the year discussion um as as we as we talked about on this pod last week i don't don't think that's really realistic but i'm just really glad we're seeing zion because for a while there like about a month ago i was really starting to believe that this was going to be a simmons and bead griffin type of scenario so did reggie miller um yeah on national tv (laughs) crazy
3: um no i'm I'm really excited for zion i think um i'm gonna I'm, i'm gonna pull back the i'm gonna Grab the Rockets discussion back a little bit just for this point. Zion, I think part of what makes him so exciting is that any given play or any given night or whatever, you might see something like genuinely crazy athletically that you have mm-hmm. never seen before. You never know what you're going to see. You might see the best block of all time. You could end up seeing one of the best dunks of all time. And that runs counter to some of these teams that are run like well-oiled machines like the Rockets. Every Whenever you watch a Rockets game, like they're elite. Like obviously, they're incredible, but it kind of takes away from the excitement of the game when you know what the goal of every single possession is, and you feel like you know how every single possession is going to end. Whether it's going to be a Hargan step back, or a Hargan foul, or a driving kick, like nothing that unexpected really takes place in Rockets games. And I understand that's why people think it's boring. And Zion is the exact opposite of that. Whether or not he'll pan out into a, you know, a top three player ever in the league if he can't really shoot or whatever i understand but um just the excitement that he can bring every night even in 20 minutes i mean it's it's going to be i'm I'm just really excited for it. i mean we saw it in preseason we saw it in summer league yeah um every time he's on the court there's there's a chance for something absolutely insane to happen
2: very good for the league i don't yeah. I don't think this is the solution to the ratings <laughs> issues, but I think the league going all in on Zion putting the pelicans on t v five times a week. it seemed it made sense i think. i mean it it did i think and the way it's structured, you know there's not much they could do but i I think they there probably should be some more flexibility in the schedule. I think that would be something, yeah. and a lot of this is not up to the n b a you know you you have to have these worked out well in advance, but I think more national t v flexibility would be huge, you know the ability right. to even even two or three weeks ahead, change which game is on, you know, I think would be huge. For a while there, I mean, the Pelicans lost 10 games in a row at one point, and we're playing on national TV literally every other week, if not more frequently. And there was a reason for that before the year. And, you know, I think the NBA has to be able to, like, being able to put your best games on every night you have a national TV game, I think is is something that would need to be considered and could be potentially negotiated in the next CBA. Right. Um but I, I think that's also part of the issue. Going back to that that previous discussion was is a lot of nights you're like, oh, I really want to watch this game. Oh, it's it's the NBA TV game. Why is Celtics Pelicans the TNT game? You right. know, why is why is the Nets without Kyrie playing the Knicks? Why is that on ESPN on a Friday night? Things like that. So, I, you know, having Zion back, you know, maybe remedies that a little bit. Although I know the the Pel's national TV schedule was really front loaded, so they were able to flex. I mean, they were able to flex this game on the ESPN tonight. <laughs> it, it wasn't on ESPN six days ago, and now it is. So, um. Why they kept suggest- you know subjecting us to watching um Jackson Hayes and Frank Jackson early on, at least, at we will least never ingram know Ingram panned out right that's the thing that's I mean and thank God he did. like what if he was just normal Brandon Ingram this the year? League how much is going to be?
3: The league is going to give ingram a, a an incentive bonus
2: uh, yeah he uh he's going to be a really interesting all-star case, you know, like we said before i'm I'm very interested to see how that pans out because they haven't they haven't won quite enough games where he is the lock that he should be you know based on the numbers and the leap that he's made um and playing in the west of course doesn't help but um i I think he probably ends up sneaking in there all right we'll wrap this up i'll be back with james tomorrow you'll be back with shannon and ken on friday we'll have a bonus episode on friday as well four podcasts in three days we'll see you tomorrow